Welcome to Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood, a podcast that's all about changing the way we view midlife and bringing the conversation about menopause out into the open. Each week we share stories, experiences and inspiration. We talk to experts on how to best navigate this time of life and find out how other people have not only survived but thrived through this time. I'm your host, Karen O'Connor. Hello and welcome. Today I'm talking to Mia Northrup. Mia's a trained coach, co-host of the Life Admin Hacks podcast and co-author of the forthcoming book, Life Admin Hacks. She partnered with a longtime school friend to find a better way for themselves and other working parents to manage their lives. She's passionate about holding fast to your dreams, making time for side hustles and creativity and values living authentically and inspiring others to do so. Welcome, Mia. Thank you, Karen. Such a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for being on. It's always interesting when I read out people's biographies because it's like, oh, this sounds so interesting. (laughs) So I actually deleted a bit out of that. Tell me how you ended up doing Life Admin Hacks. Yeah, how do we end up here? So I want your listeners to cast back a few years ago I was on a girls weekend with some friends some old high school friends that I've known since I was like 14 15 years old and you know there's the wine we've got the cheese out we're talking about lives and careers and family and we started talking about life admin and venting ranting mostly about how it was out of control how we seem to be swamped in it it seemed to be escalating we seem to be the sole people in our families that were responsible for it and we were drowning in it. And we just wondered, what, how did this happen? Why? We're organised people. Our work lives are under control. How is this such a spiralling mess? Look for some resources on it because we were convinced that someone must have written a book and we just hadn't read it. And there was nothing. And so I suggested to one of my pals, Diana, I'm like, let's write a book. Let's work this out and solve it and write a book. She's comes from a background in operations and innovation. I come from a background in research and user experience design. So making websites and apps for people that solve problems. And I'm like, we've got the expertise, we can do this. So we actually started off as a podcast. We thought, let's be guinea pigs. Let's research all of the hacks, the time management hacks, the productivity hacks, the the apps we should be using. And each episode, we tackle a different part of life admin and try to optimise it. And uh, yeah, built up our audience and our hacks over the course of the podcast. And now we have a book coming out next year. So it's all a step-by-step guide, how other people can streamline. And the reason why we were passionate about it is because we were basically on the brink of burnout. We were in that season of life where we had primary school age kids. We'd stepped back into our careers. We'd had played with part-time work and contract work just to get that work-life juggle happening, you know, a bit more manageably. And we were like, this something's got to give. We can't actually just keep going like this. So that was the impetus. And we really focused on finding solutions that were going to give people back more time, more headspace, save some money because you know with some life admin things when it comes to budget and comparison shopping that you're like oh you get that letter in the post that says your plans expired and it sits there on the table for seven months before you decide to do something so we want to save people money and also also nurture some household harmony because we also know this causes a bit of friction in households it does, doesn't it? Because everything you're saying rings so true for me. My husband used yeah. to say to me, "Ah, oh, 
You should just live in the moment. I'm like, we got four kids at private school. There is no living in the moment. Oh, I love that. You we all, we all want to live in the moment. But, you know, someone's got to remember to wash so-and-so's uniform so it's ready for whatever sport practice they've got on Thursday. And someone has to fill in all those forms the school sends. It's someone's got to buy the birthday presents and think about what we're doing for school holidays. I, so there's a lot of that mental load, the anticipating, the planning. There's that aspect of it. And then there's the doing, the, just the sheer extent of tasks. So, yeah, we'd love to be more mindful and living in the present. And you can do that when you get to a stage of organisation and automation. But, you know, you have to do it methodically. You have to do that consciously. So where do you actually start? In terms of people getting themselves organised, mm, yeah. we actually start with five foundational tools because we thought there's got to be a way that you can set things up and that it makes everything else easier. So we actually recommend that people start with uh, their schedule and actually scheduling some time to do life admin because in our research, most people say it takes too long. I don't want to spend more time on it. They also say I need more time. I don't have enough time to do it. And we found that 95% of people don't actually have a regular time slot blocked out in their calendar to just sit down and do it. So we suggest that's where you start. You put an hour of power in your calendar. You do it on a Sunday night or a Tuesday morning, whatever works for you. But that's where you can sit down and start to knock off some of these chunky tasks. And then the other life admin tasks that might be on your to-do list we ask people to think about it in three different ways. There's what we call two minutes, too easy tasks. And the other things, if they pop on your radar, you just do them then and there. So if you get in your email and there's something that requires you to just pay a quick bill or fill in a form quickly, instead of letting that email inbox just stack up and those little red numbers get scarier and scarier, just do it then. And then it's done and you don't have to think about it. So there's the two minutes too easy at the other end of the hour of power. And then in the middle, you've got your 10 minutes time killers. And these are all those in-betweeny types of tasks that you can do sort of in downtime between other things. And there might be during that time when you might grab your phone and do a bit of zombie scrolling on Instagram or Facebook or something. Instead, do something a little bit more restorative or productive or just knock over a little task. So that's the first thing. We ask people to think about their schedule and think about their tasks in those three buckets because then they'll actually realise, I actually do have time for most of the life admin in my life. The other four tools are around password managers. I don't know, do you use a password manager, Karen? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's funny because you talk to people and they kind of look at you like, is that going to make a difference? But they're quite game-changing. You just... Do not realise how much time you spend logging into forms, filling out forms. When you have a password manager, that's all automated. It just beautifully fills it out for you, pre-fills a lot of forms for you, and you can do things on the go. So if you're not at home and someone asks for something for you, you had to access something, you can just log in and get it done. It is one of those game-changing things. You just you can't imagine how it's going to impact you until you actually take it in. So password manager is another one. To-do lists. A lot of people have to-do lists in their work life. Some people have no to-do list in their private life or they have seven. They have post-it notes around their computer. They have things on the fridge. They have a thing on a calendar. They'll have something on their phone. Like it's just kind of a mess. And when they look at the list, there might be a mix of tasks in there. 
but there's usually also just movies you want to watch or books you want to see. Like it's just a bit of a mishmash. So we ask people to have a look at their to-do list, the apps that they're using, having that single source of truth makes a massive difference. And again, being able to take it with you, having something digital makes a big difference rather than relying on all sorts of various paper sources. And now I've forgotten my other list. Hang on. The other two things, going paperless. So setting up direct debits, moving all your communications with all of the organisations that are sending you letters all the time, moving it all online so you're getting just emails or texts and can file things digitally, get rid of all that paper clutter. It's incredibly liberating. And then finally, some kind of budgeting, some kind of monitoring of your spending. And what that does, if you get on top of that early, it allows you to decide or to know whether you actually need to bother spending time comparison shopping or where you should actually focus your comparison shopping. So if you've got things like private health insurance or a mortgage or broadband and mobile phone bills, if you get up close and personal with how much actually spending in those areas, then when you get that envelope that says your contract has expired or even before then, you can decide, you know what, we really need to bring our costs down here. They're uncompetitive. So this is something that I'm going to spend time doing. On the the flip side, if your focus isn't on saving money and you realise you've got a little bit of spare cash, you can decide what you're going to outsource, which is also very important for women in a certain season who are trying to do everything, like embrace outsourcing, let go of some of the, the guilt and the shoulds that are often accompany what we think we should have on our plate and ship that out to people who can do it better or faster or enjoy it more or could possibly even do it cheaper and if we did ourselves, that's where you start. Scheduling, passwords, going paperless, lists and budgeting. It's interesting you say that about going paperless because my mm. husband is, where's the paperwork for this? Well, you had an email about it. Yeah. And he's still the old-fashioned, he wants to file it, but it's me yep. that did the filing. So I'm like, yes. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah, I get it. There's some reassurance in having the hard copy of something. It's like some proof. Yeah. But like everything is digital and you can always print it out. It's easier to just file things digitally. Or for some things, stop filing because you can log into the My Account section of whichever provider you might be needing to deal with and there'll be the billing history, there'll be the usage history. It's all sitting there. And if you need something, you can print it out. So, yeah, I recognise going paperless for me, the biggie was actually the direct debits, setting up direct debits for everything so I didn't have to pay bills. I felt very nervous about that. And I I think working in digital design, working in user experience design where I've sat on projects for big telcos whose names I won't mention and they're talking about their My Account section and how the billing works and you, oh, red flags, alarm bells. And so I, I was like, I don't actually trust them to get this right. But then when I sit back and look at all the billing that's happened in the last however many years that I've had it up, if there's anything weird that pops up, it's either resolved in 24 hours, but for, you know, 95% of the time there are no issues. It's actually been fine. And it's saved me so much time instead of getting that monthly or that quarterly bill, opening it, you know, physically going on doing the payment, like none of that happens. I basically don't get any envelopes anymore. I don't get any mail, <laughs> really, at all. It's welcome. <laughs> now I feel like a teenager sometimes, like, oh, 
I got a letter. <laughs> What's this? from the ATO yeah yeah yeah. I do get that it is a shift but you just got to treat some of these things as an experiment you're like oh give it a go see what happens and you'll probably find that oh my god I've saved myself so much time this was totally worth what I thought was going to be a risk it's interesting that password managers in there I use a password manager because twice my computer's died and taken Mm. all my passwords with it and that was why I started using it but I didn't even think of the impact until you just mentioned it then because yeah I have it on my phone I have it on my laptop I can access safe notes it holds all my credit card details so I can just fill everything in and my address and everything saves so much time it does and it's an enabler of going paperless so once you have all your passwords for all your providers, you can you know you can log in and get what you need. Then going paper, you know, they go hand in hand. And the other thing is in the password manager, obviously you've got your passwords, but you can got that secure vault where you can save all of that that precious ID. So I've got a copy of my passport in there and my license and my working with children's check. So if I need to do a hundred point ID check anywhere, I'm ready to go. But also the, all the other form-filling data that you use, especially when you have kids and you fill in the same forms for school or extracurricular, it's like, who's their emergency contact? What's the closest doctor? What's their Centrelink CRN number? All of those numbers, you can put all of that in your password manager. So, you, again, you can just access it and you can fill out forms very quickly. <laughs> form-filling. It's all about the form-filling, Garen. <laughs> just thinking back to those those myriad of permission slips that I had and particularly when they were going on annual camp or something like that and it's been like 12 pages of information same information every time yeah give it to me on a pdf so I can fill it in on online that's it some schools digitize and they start capturing that and they'll like send you a form where most of it's pre-filled and all you have to check on it, just glance at it and check that it's okay. My school's not there yet. It's very much, here's another form to fill in. So it's handy to have all of that with you so you can do it when you're sitting in the in a queue somewhere waiting for something and a thing comes in, you can fill it out in that downtime. It becomes a two minutes too easy or a 10-minute time killer kind of task. It's a great idea to have like your driver's license and passport and stuff in there. I hadn't even thought of that, but that is great because the number of times you've got to fill your driver's license number in or whatever yeah. online and you've got to go searching for it. That's it. And it's also that handy backup. So if you're worried about documents, those original documents, they might be at home in a filing cabinet. You might should have them in a safe, ideally, but having a digital version somewhere that's fully encrypted, that has that multi-factor authentication behind it so you know it's secure is just good in terms of protecting those precious documents. And I want to say to people, like, Diana and I didn't start out passionate about anything that I've just talked about. It's not like we're, like, admin boffins. This was purely out of necessity. And we've learned a lot. We've learned a lot. I guess the idea was we'll do all the research, we'll crawl down the rabbit hole so you don't have to. We'll just tell you. Just, just, just do this. This will sort you out. But some people are like, oh, my God, you must be so into this. And I'm like, no, we did it because we didn't want to spend any more time than we had to. We just looked one shortcuts. Tell us the shortcuts. So I'm telling everyone the shortcuts now. What made the biggest difference for you? The biggest difference? Uh, going paperless for sure. It, just, it did save so much time. And 
I tell you, it relieved that the physical clutter of all the paper and the folders. So I had this little in tray on my desk that was usually full. It was very, I don't know, I, I liked where I was going with that, but it was always too full. It wasn't very proficient. I had one of those toaster rack filing things with the manila folders. I had big lever arch folders, 10 years worth of tax and warranties for things that I'd sold four years ago, like all of that paper clutter that you think, oh, I've got to hang on to that, got to hang on to that. Actually, you don't. So we spent a weekend like go getting rid of all the paper, going, looking at the tax return stuff and going, okay, the ATO actually, you only need six years or whatever it is, seven years worth of stuff. So all that stuff from 2006, let's let that go. All these folders, the bulky folders, and just all of that stuff getting out of the house and liberating all that space, just having a desk where it wasn't this hot spot that I'd walk in and just see every day and trigger little panic, panic attacks, that made a massive difference. Not having to pay things, yeah, as they came into the mail and just stacking the mail and being grumpy that I was the only person that got the mail, like all of that went away. And actually part of that, what we recommend people do is set up a dedicated life admin email address. So instead of it coming to your personal email address or your partner's, setting up was shaynorthrop at gmail.com. And so anything like from the school, from our super provider, from our telco, the broadband, the car, you know, registries, all of that stuff goes to this admin email address. And so it was out of my personal address. I could dip into the admin email address when I had my hour of power, deal with whatever was in there, or my partner could sort of divvy it up who was going to look at what. And then it's just out of your the central frame of your life. So that was beautiful. It gives you back a lot more headspace. What's been the most surprising hack that you've come across? I think some of it's been around comparison shopping some of those big bills where things like my mobile phone or my electricity, when I used to think about trying to swap to a different provider, that just felt like a massive world of pain because there are so many. There's like 30 phone providers at least. It's like, how do I pick one? But if, you, if you're thinking of moving away from the big three, like Telstra, Optus, Voter, all these other ones with their wacky names, like why, how and why? And similarly with electricity, there are, there's te- decades of them to, to look at. And I really didn't understand the decision-making criteria of what I should be looking for. And so now I think like for phone, now that I realise it's all about the data, if you've got a handset that you're happy with, and don't want to be swapping around getting the new phone every year. If you want to just lug around that and get the best deal, all you need to care about is the data. And half of those little other networks sit on Telstra, they sit on Optus, they sit on Vodafone. So you can pick the ones that sit on the network you're happy with, and then it's just looking at the data and they'll send you the SIM in the mail. So that whole thing was just demystified for me because it felt really complicated and now if I see a good deal, I'll literally jump online, fill in a form, a SIM will come in the mail a couple of days later and I'll just switch. So that's that. And that, I thought I was never going to be that person. <laughs> but now I am, oh, miraculously. And it's the same with electricity. That felt like a major thing. If, yeah, you know, what if you get it right? I don't want to be with electricity. And you realise, oh, you can't actually get that wrong. Like, they won't just switch it off without the new provider already having you in the system. 
So they, they do all of that changeover. And again, knowing which criteria you, you should use to compare, massive cost savings. So those things have been surprising. I'm now really comfortable with just shopping around. And in Australia, we have this some outrageous figure where we spend like hundreds of millions of dollars in loyalty tax from not shopping around each year. And when, usually corporations give better deals to new customers. So it's only when you make the switch that you're going to get an offer that's really competitive in the market. So if you haven't changed your health insurance or home loan or mobile or credit cards for some time, every year it's worth actually making the switch if that's where your big expenses are because you're going to save a mozza. The people we got the our mortgage through said mm. they go through every client every two years yeah. and make see what, whether they can get a better deal for them because they reckon that's the optimum when you've got a mortgage, two years, and then you swap. That's it. If you've gone and paid for this, if you have all those other systems ready, and it's easy to get together the documentation because it kind of feels like a hassle. You've got to get all those tax returns and whatnot together. But, yeah, the rates change. The deals, the policies, the plans change. The regulations change. And when you've got something like a mortgage where it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, it's definitely worth switching. And having a mortgage broker to partner with you through it and hold your hand is the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> you hold the paperwork. Just tell me what you need. Oh, yeah. I'll email it to you and then we're done. <laughs> well, that's it. Again, there's hundreds of loan products out there. He's got the time or the inclination to go through them all themselves. Yeah. You're really making me think about everything because it's like you were saying before, if you had a complaint or if somebody got something wrong, you used to have to get on the phone and I I get really cross if I have to get on the phone to somebody anymore Mm. because I want to talk to the little chat box. Just bring up your instant little chat. I know. I'm loving live chat, this kind of thing. Yeah, every drama I've had, and I have had a direct debit drama with that one telco that I sat in on tens of years ago. It was all resolved on live chat. It was all sorted out. So it works in both ways. But I think some of the life admin optimization we did was also for the fun stuff because things like buying gifts, organising Christmas or whatever sort of major festival or religious holidays are in your life, organising birthday parties, organising holidays, while they're all really fun, there's also heaps of admin related to those because you have to research stuff, you've got to buy stuff, you've got to book stuff and plan and schedule and, and reflect. And again, those activities often fall to one particular person in the household, and it's a lot to carry. So we wanted to see how we could, you know, take the feeling of burden or the some of the um, workarounds related to those things. We wanted to investigate those as well. So that buying Christmas gifts isn't stressful. It's actually fun if you've got wish lists for people and you know where you're going to go shopping instead of going around the shopping centre just hoping something's going to leap out at you. So we're <laughs> laughing. We've all done that. We've all done that. We're all just scanning wildly, hoping we're going to find the perfect thing. And the perfect thing is where you sit down beforehand and have a good think or pick up on things and write them down during the year and then calmly consult your list October, November, and then just coolly execute the purchase. That's what we're that's what we were aiming for. And it can happen. <laughs> My business partner, she's usually done her Christmas shopping by like mid-November. It's full on. <laughs> How do you do that? How do you you just listen up for things during the year and then keep a list? 
Yeah. So in our phones, we all have wish lists. I have my own wish lists of things I want, which helps curb the spontaneous purchases and I'll put it on the wish list. If my kids mention things, and they mention things all the time, I'm like, I put it on my wish list. Sometimes I have to take a photo of whatever it is they want right now to prove that I've got it on the wish list. So I'll consult it for birthday or Christmas. And I have them for all the people that I regularly buy for. So when I do have to buy stuff, I just look at the list. So is this an app you use or is it just notes or? Yeah, I just use my um, notes app on my iPhone. So I've got, yeah, gift wish lists. All my to-dos are in the reminders app. And then in my, yeah, my notes app, I've got wish lists for me and all the members of my family. And it's very satisfying because you can use the little checklist function. And when you bought it, you get to tick it off and feel that little, <laughs> that little dopamine kick. Yeah, lists. Uh, we, there's a chapter in the book that's all about lists, about checklists and reference lists and to-do lists, and they really are the key to adulting. I think the problem I have on occasion with lists is mm. they just get too long yeah. <laughs> and they just get overwhelming and the other I still have a problem with which app do I use to do it because yeah. I find Excel works really well for me mm-hmm. but then I like taking it out and sticking it in the calendar so I know when I'm going to do it and you can't mm-hmm. do that from Excel when you're going to Outlook you've got to have your task list and Outlook which I don't really like so I'm kind of I'm always Changing yeah. and changing. And then I also like to write some things down. If I'm thinking, I've got to be writing down. <laughs> mm, yeah. So I my to-do list very rarely has more than 10 things on it because I keep the time horizon short. Like if I was going to dump everything that I had to do between now and the end of the year, it would be a ridiculously long list. But I really just keep it quite immediate, the things that are coming up now. Anything that's been languishing on there, for a couple of months, I'm clearly not going to do or I need to actually schedule it. So the things that are red herrings or that might have felt aspirational or my priorities have changed or whatever, I just delete it. If the need arises, it'll come back. But sometimes you just got to look at the list and just got to say, who am I kidding, Karen? I'm never going to do that. I might want to, but it's never going to happen and it's just stressing me out. The other thing that happens with to-do lists is that often you just leave it in the same order. So you'll have a few things at the top that have been there for three months that you've actually become blind to. You need to either deprioritize them and move them down or just delete them. But play with it every week so that you're flushing out where your priorities really are and make sure that they truly are things that are important and that are or urgent. And that they're about advancing your agenda. You know, what's truly meaningful for you? It's not, you know, things that you should be doing or things that really might be advancing other people's agendas, but, you know, know, your time might be better spent elsewhere. And it's it's a funny thing in terms of the different tools. I mean, for work, if I'm doing work, I'll often just write the top three things I'm doing that day on a scrap of paper and have that on my computer to look at, and then I throw that piece of paper at the end of the day. But when it comes to life admin, I do like my reminders app, and I particularly like it because, like, you can use the voice assistant. You can use Siri. So I've programmed, you know how you can change your Siri voice. My, my Siri is some English man that sounds like a, a butler. He sounds like a Paul Bettany, the actor. 
And so when I'm driving and something occurs to me as something for my to-do list, I can just say, hey, Siri, and he'll add a reminder to my to-do list. You can also add a reminder, a task that will nudge you at a certain time and date. So you can put times and dates around it. You can put locations on it. So if I'm driving past the pharmacy and I've got something on there that I've linked to the pharmacy remind me, I need to pop in, it'll pop up. You can actually attach them to people in your contacts. So if I need to remember to talk with mum about Christmas plans and I've got a to-do list item there and it says, remind me when I'm talking to mum. So if I start messaging my mum or my mum calls me, that little reminder will pop up. Don't forget to talk to her about this. So the digital tools are very powerful once you kind of look under the hood. That's why I've tended to stay with the digital tools rather than go back to some of the paper-based ways. How long have you been doing this now? 2018 we started the podcast and really we did a lot of research to begin with to start thinking about what should those foundations be? Where should we start? And once we got the things like the schedule and the passwords and the lists all sorted, It just made all the other aspects of life admin easier. We divided up to sort of those foundational tools. Then it was about streamlining what goes on in your household because it's hard to care about if your day-to-day life is just this out-of-control juggernaut. So it was about decluttering and meal planning and the kids' logistics and outsourcing some stuff. Then we thought about sort of getting your personal affairs in order for that peace of mind factor because neither of us had up-to-date wills or powers of attorney, those kinds of things. So many people don't have wills. Super, we're on the right super plan. Do we have the right life insurances? Well, have we had the right health checks for our age and stage? Again, women of a certain season, they're busy looking after everybody else and it's very easy to let your own health needs slip through the cracks or sort of deprioritise or or neglect yourself in that way. So dialing up the self-care, getting those personal affairs sorted. Then we focused on the comparison shopping, all of those bills, because that's that's all the envelopes, that's all the emails, getting that under control, and then finally focusing on the fun. So it's those four aspects. So there's that everyday life admin that hums along that just needs to be kept in control. And then there's the life events that happen and they trigger their own life admin. So if you're moving house or changing jobs or have a baby, all those life events are their own little life admin catalysts and it's easier to deal with those if you have your everyday life admin already humming. So where to now for you? You've got this book that's coming out. Tell Mm. us about that. So the book comes out next in January, January 2022. And I'm very excited to be able to give that to people because while we have the podcast, you've got to listen to it and take notes or see the show notes if you want to remember what how to approach things. So that's going to give people something in their hand where, you know, a, a task pops up, they can dive in and just self-serve. I was trained as a coach this year because I want to be able to work with people one-on-one and in groups because some people just need accountability. They want a thinking partner for some of it because some of it's complicated Some of it's incredibly tedious and you need someone who's going to say, all right, next week we're going to talk about this and you need to have done that. So I love working with people one-on-one to help explore some of the reasons why it's out of control and then create processes and resources that work for them and their household and where they're at. Uh, We're also offering training. So 
during the pandemic, especially when employers have recognised that what goes on at home massively impacts what you can bring to work in terms of headspace and creativity and innovation. And then a lot of the stress that often employers might try to target with their workplace wellbeing programs, lots of the sources of those stress are actually from the home. So we've been doing some training with people to help them deal with these sources of stress at the source rather than just the yoga and the meditation. So that's been great. A lot of employers really want to make things better for working parents or they might have leadership programs or diversity inclusion programs where they're really trying to support different cohorts, whether that's working parents or carers or women who've got you know, on some leadership track. So, yeah, so we're, and we're going to be rolling out an online course eventually. So for people who want to, to look at this and go through it methodically and have other, other, you know, a cohort of people that are going to do it with them and have a bit of a community, we'll be rolling that out in the new year, which will be fun as well. So coming at it from a few different angles. I just want to get out there and talk to people about it because they, once they sort of discover some of these shortcuts and tweaks and apps, it is a little bit life-changing. Because it, it does give you back so much time and headspace. How does your life look different now to before? Well, unless I'm thinking about this for work purposes, I'm not thinking about life admin. I don't lay in bed thinking I have so much to do and I have no idea how I'm going to get it all or I'm seething with anger because I'm doing everything and it's unfair and I don't know how to share it. That's another major aspect of the book with every topic, we explain how to share it, what tools and what approaches will help you share the responsibility. So I used to be very angry and very stressed, Karen, and now I'm not, <laughs> which is good, isn't it? I, one of the, uh, I don't know if you've read Harriet Lerner. She's this American author and academic. She wrote The Dance of Anger and The Dance of Connection. I, I heard about her from a Brene Brown podcast and I read The Dance of Anger, which is brilliant. I think if anyone's got a relationship where they're unhappy with the load and, and feel angry about the lack of quality in terms of who's bring, doing what around the house, I highly suggest you read this. She talks about patterns of underfunctioning and overfunctioning in relationships. And the, the an overfunctioner is someone who fixes things, rescues, takes on the load, and when it comes to life admin, we see, especially in heterosexual relationships, a lot of women over-functioning, essentially. And then there's the under-functioner kind of role where they're either getting railroaded or they're sort of adopt a lazy, incompetent stance. They're not actually, they might not be lazy, incompetent, but in terms of the dynamic around something like life admin, these entrenched roles manifest. And so she talks about how to recognise who's playing what role in your relationship and how you might have got there and essentially how to break that dance, just get out of it so that you can both contribute to the topic, you can share the load. That was a bit of an eye-opening read for both Dinah and I and it really influenced what we put in the book and how we thought about things like standards. So when you're trying to share tasks and you've got a personal standard of how that task should be executed, if you want someone else to do it, you might need to let go of your very, very high standards and see, you know, see the bigger picture. So Harriet Lerner does a great job at things like that. And that's, and I've really tuned into whether I'm over-functioning or under-functioning all over the place now that I know about things like that. 
That's fantastic. So all of the links that we've spoken about will be on the webpage that goes with this podcast. Thank you so much, Mia. I really enjoyed that. There's so much information. I feel like I just bit of a fire hose. Thank, thank you, Karen. I'm really glad to get this message out to your listeners because I'm sure a lot of them, you know, a perimenopausal phase of life is kind of when all this happens, when all this goes next level. So this kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that people will hopefully find some pearls of wisdom in here. Oh, I'm sure they will. Yeah, thank you. Because it doesn't actually, you think, oh, the kids get older and it's going to get easier. It actually doesn't change. You still got the same amount of things that you need to do. It's bizarre. I had one child that went off to boarding school and I thought, okay, I've only got three at home, make my life easier. No, it was actually more difficult. <laughs> because she'd yeah. be on the phone and I'd have to sit down and stop what I was doing and talk to her on the phone. And that was an hour, an hour and a half out of my day, every day, sometimes mm. twice mm. a day. Yeah. It's interesting. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And good luck with the book launch as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. for joining us this week on menopause marriage and motherhood make sure you subscribe to the show on your favorite player and while you're at it we'd love you to leave us a rating on itunes or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show that would be amazing too be sure to tune in next week for the next episode and remember if you're busy thinking about what you can't have how on earth are you going to enjoy what you can have see you next week